Hi, Bruno Jr. here. Our podcast, Busting Addiction and Smiths, is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com. SafeHouse believes that traditional treatments fall short of the needs of clients who face the modern problems of addiction. Modern problems need modern solutions. Multiple addictions, multiple relapses, multiple triggers, and cheaper and more powerful street drugs set up unprecedented challenges facing treatment centers. What is needed is a more sophisticated approach, a better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process. Two, technology proven to enhance recovery. And three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. So, Rebecca, the uh, you just you were talking about nine month rehab, full time, uh, public facility, you didn't have to pay anything, but it feels like that was a turning point in your life. Do you want do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. It was absolutely amazing. It was the biggest gift I ever gave myself. Whilst I was there for nine months, 198 people came and they left. There was no locks on the gates. You could freely leave whenever you wanted. But it was very, very confronting, but it was absolutely amazing. I left there and went to a sober house afterwards for 10 weeks and and stayed in Byron Bay. From there, I got a sponsor and fully immersed myself in AA and NA. And I, I stayed in Byron Bay for another eight years. At the rehab, they told me I shouldn't work for five years back in the financial field that it was too stressful for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I followed everything they told me to do because you know what? They're the experts. Right. So I actually, I didn't work for a while. I found that really hard because I'm a workaholic, mm-hmm. obviously. So I actually went and worked in the local video store, which is very different, earning <laughs> $18 an hour. But to be honest, I actually really enjoyed it because I became part of the community. Okay. I went to meetings every week and my parents came up and saw me. But, uh, so you were away from your family home? I was away, yeah. I, I moved up from Melbourne, which is down south in Australia, and, and stayed in Byron Bay where I had both fellowships around me. Okay. And I did exactly what I was told. I, I went to meetings, I did the steps, uh, I did service, I joined a home group. Yeah, there's five or So you were all in? You were all in, right? I was all in. Yeah. Mate. I, you know, I didn't have a car to begin with. I rode around on my bike. My life was very, very simple. Okay. And were you happy? I was the happiest I've been in a very okay. long time. Okay. So then, then what? Um, after that, I, I. Right this on, lasted how long? I'm sorry, five year stretch. That's the five year stretch. Okay. Yeah. Right on five years, I went and got a job back in finance, <laughs> as, as you do, and I got it. Yeah, and I started working as not as a stockbroker again, as a financial planner, because I didn't want to have to worry about the U.S. market and being awake at midnight. Right. And all was going well. I did that up until up until about six and a half years because my life got very full very quickly, as it does when you start working. Mm-hmm. I got a partner and I was working about an hour away from Byron Bay because it's a little coastal town right on the water. Okay. I was driving an hour each way up the freeway to get to work. I was working long hours, taking on more responsibility. I got poached into a job and was getting paid a lot of money. My partner started saying... Why do you need to go to so many meetings? Aren't you cured? I was uh, doing a lot of service at a regional level, which is much higher up. Mm-hmm. I was NAA or an NA? NA, one of the two. yeah, NA. Okay. 
I was the treasurer for all of Australia at a regional level. I'd done a, you know, I'd run a convention, you know, done a lot of service work, a lot of service. Yeah, Yeah. run two conventions, made a lot of money. I've got, you know, a list a mile long of what I'd done because I couldn't work. I threw myself into service instead. Then I got thrown a curveball at work. Unfortunately, I was bullied at work by a new, um, a new manager. And instead of speaking to my sponsor about it, I just tried to deal with it myself. Mm-hmm. And I was suffered a lot of anxiety at work, was having panic attacks at work due to the bullying. Just so, so there's a lesson there too, right? Not talking to your sponsor when things exactly. are tough and challenging your sobriety. Exactly. Okay. What, what do you think was happening there with respect to making a conscious decision not to talk to your sponsor? Well, I've been pulling away from the fellowship. I, I wasn't, I became complacent when it came to my recovery. Okay. That's I wasn't answer. doing um, enough meetings. Okay. I'd gone down from four meetings a week to maybe one. Okay. Because I was working like 60 plus hours a okay. week plus driving. I was going straight back to my partner's right. place. These are all good lessons, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I kind of just fell into it. Before I knew it, I was at a GP. I normally only go to one GP who was my GP from my... From the buttery which you know where I did my rehab and um, but I went to a GP across the road from my work and about you know something else and he said to me you look really tired are you sleeping okay I said not really and he said would you like something before for that mm. before I knew it I had a script for those sleeping pills okay before I knew it I was taking them before I knew it I was taking a lot of them and then I was in a full-blown relapse and was this ambient again or ambient was... again okay. yes all right which is basically my drug of choice. Okay. Yeah, and then things got really out of hand. I was still going to work, but uh, yeah, I went back to my normal GP of eight years. I told her what was happening and she said, you just stop going to work. No more of this. I'm writing you, you know, and, and yeah. And so basically, I was, yeah, I stopped going to work. And yeah. What did your family, your original GP, say again about using Ambient? Yeah, he said that if, if I don't stop taking them and if I don't stop with stress that that I will die okay. yeah all right so I rang my sponsor I told them what had happened I went and saw them and um, he said because um, I had a male because there's not many females in Byron Bay um, with a lot of time up he said you need to yes yeah, I'm glad you told me I had a lot of sponsees as well too I oh, had sure. four sponsees and I had yeah. to ring them and tell them I couldn't you know and I had to resign from all my Anyway, I was out there for eight weeks using, it all boils down to this, I was sitting in my bedroom in Australia and I had to make a decision about whether to ring the rehab in Thailand because I'd sent a lot of my um, sponsees and girls I knew to this rehab in Thailand to Hope, so I knew the admissions clerk Natalie really well or I was about to put an order in on the internet to buy about 500 pills. Okay. Because I was sick of doctor shopping. I was just over it. It was too right. hard. So I was sitting there looking at the screen at the two, th- two things I had to make a decision. My partner didn't know what was happening because he met me when I was two years sober. So he doesn't know me as someone that uses. But I was having a personality change and he was really confused with what was going on. I had a moment of grace and, um, and I rang the rehab. And um, within a week, I was on the plane to Thailand. Mm, okay. So, um, thank God I made the right decision. So that was a turning point too. Yep. Yeah. 
And something must have happened at that point where the light went on and you saw the road to the right and the road to the left. Did, yeah. Was there a reflection there? I think my higher power helped me. Okay. Yeah, God came in and did helped you, me make the right decision. Did you ask for help or did it just happen? It just happened. Okay. All right. Intervention. That was divine intervention. Yeah. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. So, excellent. So you end up flying to Thailand and going to a place that you had recommended, but you had never really been there yourself before. I had No, but one of my close girls that lived with me, Hannah, had been there. And Hannah could never get well. She could never get more than a month or two up. Like, she was a serial relapser. And I loved her so much. And she went there, and she was two years, and she was pregnant. And, and it was like a miracle. So I thought, if they can get Hannah well, they can get anybody well. Okay. Yeah, so I went, and I was only going to go for a month, maybe two, because it's quite expensive. Like, sure, yeah. And I went, and I tried to fly home, but COVID hit. I went on the 8th of March, and I was due to fly home. This is 2020. Yeah, I tried to, and they, they cancelled my flight. Thai Airlines cancelled my sure. flight, and then they cancelled my next flight, and I'm still here. <laughs> so how long were you at Hope then? I was Hope for nearly four months. Okay. And again, another rehab changed my life. I got an amazing um, therapist okay. who deals in prescription medication and trauma because there was a lot of trauma when I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing rehab. And I just threw myself into it because I wanted recovery back. Yeah. I wanted my life back. So you were there for four months and you left there, what, mid mid. 2020, something like that? Yep. Okay. And then I came to the Sober House, which is in Bangsaray. Okay. And was there for two, nearly three months. Okay. And that's uh, Hope Sober sober Living. Yeah. Yeah. I know those guys. In fact, I bought a kayak from you guys. Okay. I bought two kayaks from you guys. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I got my own condo and I've been living there ever since. And I turned a year about two, two weeks ago. Okay. So you left uh, Sober Living in Bangsaray in September or something like that? Oh, uh, no, a bit, uh, yeah. I can't yeah, remember. something like that. Yeah. Okay. And so you were there maybe three months, something like that? Mm hmm Okay. Then you got your own condo? Yep. Okay, and your condo is in? Bangsaray. Bangsaray. Nice place, right? It's lovely. I love Bangsaray. I like the beach. I like the town. You, it's you wonderful. You like Bangsaray too, don't you? Yeah, no complaints. Yeah. <laughs> And now I have my own sponsor. <laughs> I do service work. Okay. And, um, I do all right, all so you got to talk about what, what life is like. Yeah, now, I'm going to talk about... the clear... I want to talk about the, the, gifts, the gifts of recovery. All so right, the gifts of recovery do. are right. for my family. So my mother is my biggest supporter and always has been. She used to get the phone calls, you know. But now... So when I had my six years up, she was so proud of me. They used to come and see me in Byron Bay and... She says, said to me, no more rehabs, you know, no more worrying about you, no more worrying if you're doctor shopping. And she was just so proud of me, you know, when I chaired the two conventions, she was just, just so proud of me. And she understands I don't have to be, you know, like a celebrity stockbroker for her to be proud of me anymore. See, that's a very important lesson because this is really directed to families and friends. And that's of recovering why I want to explain it, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so... Would you say that um, you took an awful lot of pressure off your family, right? Yes. They were under a lot of stress because of 
your of, situation. Of those phone calls, yes, and of worrying that, you know, because, you know, I went into a coma a couple of times, things like that. They don't have to worry about those phone calls. But I also want to say to people out there, family can put pressure on us as well too. Right. That. Right. Well, that's a good good point. It's to, a reverse or reversal. Right. That's a good point to make, and we talk about this too, which is, the the shift that I think I, I certainly observe is the shift from, you know, you're a bad person, you're moralizing, you're judging, you're yelling, you have resentment to, you need help, you have a disorder. So talk about that that shift, if you will, because it sounds exactly. like that happened in your family. So yeah, there's a couple of things going on. So my mother, you know, can now be proud of me because when we're in recovery, it takes a lot to get us into recovery. And then we, when the penny finally drops, Working your recovery takes a lot of effort and it's really, it, it's really courageous. So it's not just a matter of stopping to take the drugs or stopping drinking. We have to actually work on ourselves daily. We have to go to meetings. We have to do step work. We talk to our sponsor and it's, it's in a really emotional journey. It's not just not taking the, these, these things anymore. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of time as well. It just doesn't, you just don't stop abruptly. So if we don't have an amazing job or when we don't seem to be doing a lot, we, we actually are because we're, we're confronting our emotions and we're starting to feel our, feel our feelings. And that mm -hmm. can be quite scary and yeah. overwhelming too. So if you could just maybe not put so much pressure on us and be proud of us, every day it's a miracle when we don't use or we don't mm. drink. Because for the last 20 years, we have been drinking and we have been using. So for us not to do it is an actual miracle. So talk about, and of course it is, talk about living one day at a time. So the way we break it down is just to, for me to think I'm never going to drink or I'm never going to use a drug for the next 20 years or for anyone to think that is, is way too, too overwhelming. So what we do is we just think, if I have a sponsor and she says to me, I can't cope, I can't cope with drinking, never again, I just say, can you just get your head on the pillow tonight? And just and, and if you still want to drink tomorrow, we can talk about it. Right. So just just think about the next hour or the next two hours. Just get through that, and you can ring me back. So we just think about getting our head on the pillow tonight and dealing with tomorrow tomorrow. So we just we break it down so it's not so overwhelming. So it's not about living in the future. No, we can only right. live in the present. Okay, that's all we can do. Right. You mentioned dealing with emotions. Dealing with emotions because we our coping or my coping mechanisms in the past have been getting a whole lot of sleeping pills and putting them down my throat to cope with whatever's going on for me. And emotionally, I can't emotionally, right. yeah. Okay. So if I have a fight with my boyfriend or I have a fight with my mum, I can't deal with this. I better get to the doctor, get some pills and put them down my throat. Okay. I can't do that anymore. So so what I have to do now is I have to ring my sponsor or a friend like Adam and say, I'm not coping. Can you help me talk through this? That's really great insight. I want to also go back to the one day at a time. In the 11th step, it talks about prayer and meditation, meditation which yeah. is about being fully present. It is. Can you talk about that a little bit? Okay, so, so I really believe in my, my higher power. So, and the ways we talk to our, um, I talk to my higher power is through prayer. So every morning I pray to my higher power and I ask him, I, I hand, this might be a bit too, I, I hand over my will to my higher power and I ask him to help me throughout the day. So I convey my messages to my higher power through prayer 
And then the way I listen back is through, uh, through meditating. Mm-hmm. If I'm not dealing, coping very well throughout the day, I just say, God be with me. God okay. be with me. Okay. And that really helps me get right. through the day. There you go. And you know, many of us have our own ways of communicating with our higher power. And this is, would you also agree with the brilliance of the concept in AA that you can choose your own conception of a higher power? Exactly. It doesn't have to be God sitting up in the sky. It can be the sea. It can be the universe. It can be anything as long as it's a power that's greater than yourself and it's outside yourself. Okay. So it can be this table. It can be whatever you choose right. it to be. So a couple of other questions before we close this most excellent interview discussion. One thing I just wanted to say is, okay, so my brother, so I have other members of my family. My poor brother, once my, my family used to hold on to my medication for me, you know, just in case of whatever. And my brother had it at home at, you know, at my parents' house and he went out for the night and I really wanted it really badly. And he had it locked in his gym bag. So I got, I got some scissors and I cut his gym bag just to get the medication. Mm-hmm. And he came home and the next morning he said to me, I can't believe you did that. What is wrong with you? Are you possessed? And it was really, really bad situation. But now I'm, cl- I'm clean and I'm sober. And he, he understands. Right. And so so now, he sees that as a compulsion. Yeah. Okay. Whereas he was just like, what is yeah, going on? he's making a moral judgment. At yeah. That and now right. he, my niece and nephew okay, love me. So, and, that, you know, so you can mend relationships sure. That's in recovery. Important. And as it's to really the amends part, right? Ve- yeah. Very much. Okay. So if I were to ask you, what's the one thing that keeps you clean and sober today? Maybe there's more than one, but, you know, what's the the key to it? The quality of life that I have. Okay. The amazing life that I have sober. Okay. So not wanting to lose that, right? Not wanting to lose that. that. I've seen what it's like on the other side, and it's so much better than the small postage stamp that my life becomes when I use. That's a very interesting way to to look at it. Um, I was going to ask this, but I think you answered it, is... What is there beyond just being uh, clean and sober? And you've answered the question as to have a high quality of life. Do you want to go on about that a little bit? I just want to say, compared to what happens when I use, which is I end up in a bedroom by myself, off my face, lonely and sad. When when I don't use, my life just opens right up and wonderful things happen. And even more wonderful things are going to happen that I don't even know of. What advice would you give to a family who has finally concluded, and this often takes years, that they've got a big problem in the home? What would you advise them to do? I'd advise them to be really supportive of the addicted per. You mean that they've got an addict right. living with yeah. them? Sure, yeah. Just show them love, sit with them, and be caring and understanding, and ask them how they, they can support them. Okay. One of the things that we talked about is the myths that people have about addiction. And one of the things that we talk about to the families is educate yourself on this disease, right? Is that something that you would also... I think that's really important. Judgment is not going to get you anywhere. It's actually a disease. And I was going to talk quickly about this. So when you are someone is under using drugs or whatever, you're dealing with the disease. You're not actually dealing with your son and your daughter. They're lost. So you're actually Mm. dealing with the disease. So it's not them that is saying these things to you. The disease has taken over. So it's not your loving son or daughter anymore. So it's really, yeah, education is really important. Okay, that's a great great way to end it. Thank you so much. Fabulous. Our podcast is sponsored by SafeHouseRehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com.